0: Approaching Zion, our Come, Follow Me series. This is for the week of January 15th through the 21st. And the topic is Come and Partake of the Fruit, First Nephi chapters 6 through 10.
1: One of these days we may actually start one of our podcasts before midnight. Not going to happen. My mom used to say the spirit sleeps after midnight. So we're either the exception to the rule and we're still bringing good content or these podcasts would be a lot better.
0: My spirit, my spirit sleeps in the morning. (laughs) So yours is just getting going right now. Just waking up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First Nephi six through 10. What do we see going here? We see Nephi and his brothers going back to Ishmael. We see Lehi's dream. And we have some prophecy about some messianic prophecy and about the life of Jesus Christ and 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 revelation doctrine on on the Holy Ghost and uh, pretty much everything we're all into.
1: Yep. This is where one of the things we really want to highlight and for folks to pay attention to this week is this is where we really start to see a uh, a divergence between Nephi and his brothers and the directions in
0: which they're going in their lives. Yeah, we'll, they, we'll highlight some of that along the way. they been odds already, mm-hmm. but they've still kind of been together. Yep. And, yeah, that's seems like the tension starts building up here Yep. going forward for sure.
1: Some pretty significant milestones for sure start to happen.
0: So we want to get started. Uh, so it's chapters 6 through 10, and the manual kind of jumps in at chapter 7, it kind of skips over chapter 6. It's a small chapter, but uh, there's a few really great verses in there that we wanted to highlight and let's see it's six verses here but just in the in the uh, chapter header it says nephi's purpose is to persuade men to come unto the god of abraham and be saved so chapter six we're already seeing that theme that we talked about in the introduction of the book of mormon the purpose of the book purpose of the book of mormon is to convince the reader that jesus is the christ the eternal god and we see that Nephi, when he, at, at the time of writing this, he very clearly had that in mind. Yep. And we can start in,
1: in just verse 3 after, after Nephi sets out his family lineage. In verse 3, he's talking about writing on these plates, right? And there's something really critical that he points out here. He says, Mattereth not to me that I am particular to give a full account of all the things of my father. They cannot all be written... I desire the room that I may write of the things of God. This is like a pretty good little anecdote for us in our lives of there's lots of things we could be doing, lots of things we could be writing, lots of areas we could be spending our time and our energy. But what we need to be doing is focusing on creating a room, creating space for the things of God in our lives. That's what's key here. That's Mm -hmm. what matters here. And that's what Nephi clearly points out so much so that he specifically says that in the small space he has on these small plates, he's writing in
0: one. It shows his conversion and it shows his ability to discern. Yep. Right. The difference between what matters and what doesn't, he clearly has uh, a vision and understands the difference between Babylon and Zion. Yeah. Right. What, what is the world? What is the kingdom of God? What, what matters? What's, what's eternal what's temporary, what's temporal. And remember when he's writing
1: these small plates, which is exactly what's being written here, this was 40 years after, um, you know, his, his initial leaving of Jerusalem. He's been in the promised land for several decades now. He is writing these small plates towards the end of his life. And so instead of focusing on some more of the temporal things, even, even if they're family related things, he's less concerned about that. He clearly wants to leave a legacy for his posterity that, hey, I'm I, it only matters to me the things of the Lord, and that's it. There's, there's nothing else that really matters at this point in his life.
0: And then in the last verse here, verse 6, he says, Wherefore I shall give a commandment unto my seed, that they shall not occupy these plates with things that are not of worth unto the children of men. And this really jumped out at me, because we have Nephi... And of course, we, we see his whole progression, his whole journey here in 1st in, in Nephi. But he's clearly and directly giving a commandment unto his seed, unto his posterity, unto the posterity that will inherit the plates. And that just really jumped out at me because he's a prophet, but he's a normal guy, right? We talked about in the first Come Follow Me lesson, What's powerful in the family in the family of Lehi is that they're a relatable family. Mm-hmm. We understand that they are normal people that were called of God and did great things. So what can we learn from this example of Nephi being a normal guy who was called to do prophetic things, but he's given a commandment unto his seed. So we're seeing that he understands patriarchal priesthood. He understands his role as patriarch. And the authority and the stewardship that he has not only over what god has commanded him to do the work that god has given him but the authority and the stewardship he has over his posterity and through the holy ghost he is able to give commandments unto his posterity and that's a powerful lesson that as as fathers and as mothers we have stewardship and we have authority over our children and over our posterity and that's that's a that's something we should be seeking to harness through the gift of the Holy Ghost we have as, as as disciples of Jesus Christ.
1: Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say is just like up above when he's talking about, you know, he's wanting to only write the things of God. He uses discernment in every aspect of his life. He uses the Holy Ghost, right? And so he is giving commandment to his to his posterity, to his seed, but he's doing it with righteous dominion. He is doing it according to the Holy Ghost. And he understands through discernment what areas he has righteous stewardship over his posterity. And he clearly focused on that in his life. And that is something that we could probably spend a significant more time, energy, and effort understanding in our roles as, you know, for you and I in particular, as husbands and as fathers, what, What are we missing in regards to the stewardship that we have and those natural keys we obtain by being a father and by being a righteous priesthood holder that we could be exercising for the benefit of our posterity and to assist them to ensure that they're staying on the right path to do what the Lord expects them to do. And we can be seeking this counsel from the Lord, but a lot of times we don't don't take the effort and we don't take the time and the energy to seek that counsel from the Lord.
0: And, I mean, there's also an expectation that his posterity will understand that his commandments have merit. Right, yep. And that they have they have the weight of the spirit behind them, and that they will be reading them and receiving them with the same spirit of prophecy that he's given them. And, of course, so there's a lot of context in that on how Nephi raised his children and and that kind of culture of the gospel, right? You, you can see very clearly he expects his children, his posterity, to understand how these things work and and, and the weight behind them. Yeah. Well, and obviously he would because he's taken the time and the effort to document. He's writing down all
1: of this stuff. You know, he clearly expects them to understand. He's put his soul into not only writing the large plates of Nephi, but now these small plates Mm -hmm. of Nephi. I mean, he's given them every chance and opportunity to understand exactly where he's coming from and where the Lord has led him to be at this point in his life.
0: And we talked a little bit about this in our Gospel Mysteries episode um titled fullness of the gospel where we talked about the book of mormon and how the book of mormon contains the fullness of the gospel what that means um one of the subjects that came up was journaling Mm. and that i mean in essence the plates of nephi here there is journal and he wrote them for his posterity and of course he had an understanding that these were going to be of great worth to the world but um that's a again another lesson to us that the efforts we make of journaling and capturing our spiritual experiences, that could be of great value, not only to us to look back and, and read through, but to our posterity as well. It could be something that strengthens uh, the faith of generations into the future.
1: Just curious, Dylan, do you find it more valuable to document your journaling electronically, or do you think there's more value and maybe some potential upsides in doing it handwritten kind of old-school paper journal type of thing?
0: Well, I don't think there's a wrong way. Um, it's whatever works. I mean, the, probably the a good answer would be whichever, one, whichever way you actually do it. <laughs> mm, fair enough. <laughs> but um, the counsel we've received from prophets and apostles over and over again is when you're kneeling and saying your prayers to have a pen in your hand and be ready to document experiences and thoughts and revelations that you have. Um, I personally find a lot of value in handwriting and going through that physical experience of of documenting. But um, there's also value in in making it digital.
1: Yeah. Unless the power grid goes out and the rapture happens and everything goes
0: back to- I've actually been going through it in ages. (laughs) Could happen. (laughs) Any day now, uh, I've, I've been going through recently and taking my my mission journal, and I've been trying to digitalize it. And you know, it's a labor of love. But I, am. But I just feel like it would be it'd be nice to have have it in a format where other people could read it.
1: Yep. Fair <laughs>
0: enough. Just can't read your handwriting. <laughs> have to type it up. If only I got paid as much as a doctor because <laughs> I've got the handwriting. Okay, uh, get back. Let's get back to it. Uh, the first... Uh, oh, this is a great little piece in the intro that I'll look at right here. Um, when it's talking about... So in, in, in the introduction to the chapter, it just mentions that we're going to be looking at Lehi's dream, and uh, one of the one of the quotes from chapter 8 is that Lehi feared exceedingly because of and Lemuel. Um, and they give us the counsel that uh, as we study Lehi's vision, that maybe this time we read it and we think about it the way Lehi did, think about someone that we love. And for me and I'm probably for everyone who reads this, someone or maybe a few people immediately come to mind. and that just makes, I mean this is likening the scriptures unto ourselves. This just it, it makes it very powerful, very personal, even maybe very sacred, to do it with this approach, so um, I'll just pass that counsel on. This piece of advice to study Lehi's vision in this way, because that's, I think that's a very that's a very beautiful way to to approach the vision. And then we'll jump into chapter seven, which the manual uh, talks about. It goes right into Nephi. Uh, uh, the, the forgiveness that he's offers his brothers, but we wanted to talk a little bit more about the experience with Ishmael and uh, prior to this experience happening here. Uh, so we were going to hop over to chapter seven. Do you want to give give the context here? Yeah. So essentially, Lehi has
1: um, indicated to his sons that they have to return and go back to Jerusalem once again. They've got to go speak to Ishmael. Ishmael was a man blessed with many daughters, apparently, and at least one or maybe two sons. I can't remember if it says specifically how many, but but he had quite a large family, and there was clearly some blessings to be had by returning to Jerusalem and and um, being able to convince Ishmael to um, bring his family into the wilderness with Lehi and and uh, and his crew that's out there in the wilderness. And so it's interesting as they go and they, they speak to Ishmael, what did we see previously when Nephi, Laman, and Lemuel had gone back to Jerusalem before they were trying to get the brass plates from, from Laban is that they, they used several different tactics to try to accomplish the task at hand. And it, it required several iterations of them trying to receive those brass plates but what do we see here when they, when they uh, are talking to Ishmael? In verse four, it says they went up to the house of Ishmael. They did gain favor in the sight of in the sight of Ishmael, insomuch that we did speak unto him the words of the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord did soften the heart of Ishmael and also his household, insomuch that they took their journey with us down into the wilderness to the tent of our father. So this was a hard sell, right? you're going to somebody who's living in Jerusalem, probably has a pretty good life, probably doing pretty well for themselves. And you had to convince them to come out into the middle of nowhere, into the desert, into the wilderness to do what? Well, they weren't exactly sure other than this idea that there may be a land of promise somewhere in the Mm -hmm. future with very little details to fill in the gaps there. But how did they soften the hearts? Well, instead of I mean, last time when they were trying to get the plates from Laban, they went in and and um, they tried to just reason, la- la- like ask for it. Yeah, Laban went in and reasoned and asked for it. Then the second approach was, hey, we got a lot of money, we got a lot of, of riches in our in our ancestral home here in Jerusalem. They went grab those, took to Laban. That did not work, you know. And it wasn't until Nephi, who really exercised significant faith, where the spirit was able to lead him to an opportunity to uh, behead. I mean, to overcome and and uh, and receive the brass plates, you know? So
0: It didn't work out as well for Laban it, as it did for Ishmael.
1: It could have worked out better for Laban had he listened the first time uh, to Laban. But uh, in any case, we do see here that their approach this time was a little bit more refined.
0: Well, they learned from their experience. Yes, that's, and that, that, and that's were, exactly they right. they were still empowered and emboldened by, by Nephi's success, mm-hmm. that they realized that when you rely on the Lord and follow the Spirit, that's the better way,
1: yeah, and, and it works. And Nephi's faithfulness originally in continuing to go and do, not only benefited Nephi and strengthened him, but clearly it had an effect on Laman and Lemuel, who were not the most righteous mm-hmm. in, uh, individuals, but they were even edified and uplifted by his faithfulness and his desire to persevere um, to receive the brass plates from Laman. You know, so they they have a better tact, a better approach this time around by adhering to Nephi and, and gaining strength from his righteous decisions. That's a lesson for us, clearly, as we go throughout and how to benefit those around us, in particular our family, is you make righteous choices, you live according to the Spirit, and you act on faith, and it's going to strengthen those around you, even if maybe it's not as much as it strengthens you personally. You're the one taking the action. There's There's additional benefits there, but it will strengthen those around you as well.
0: One thing that jumps out to me as well is there in verse 5. It says, So they took their journey with us uh, down to the wilderness uh, to the tent of our Father. And that jumps out at at me because uh, we talked about in a previous episode that uh, Lehi was kind of a a Moses-type figure, that this was an exodus happening out of Jerusalem. And one one of the parallels to Moses is that Lehi had his own tabernacle of sorts it always re- it always refers to to the tent of Lehi and right, Lehi was officiating and sacrifices and and he right he was truly in that patriarchal position so um this so the Nephi point that he takes the effort to write that they took the journey to the tent of our father I think he's really showing that uh, at least Ishmael right the spirit was effective upon Ishmael. And he really did understand that Lehi was a true prophet.
1: Yeah. He had had gained something of a testimony or a witness of what was going on here, so much so that he was willing to travel down into the wilderness. Yeah, he was
0: was going to the tent of our father. He was going, he understood that there was- A form
1: of worship there.
0: There was was priesthood. Yeah. There was priesthood there, and that the mission that Lehi had was far greater than just safety. Mm Mm-hmm. From from the destruction of Jerusalem, that there was a mission of preserving the temple mm-hmm. and preserving priesthood and and the covenant, uh, remaining in the covenant and the covenant people of God and and with all of the blessings of Joseph of Egypt that, um, that were to be fulfilled, and uh, I don't I don't remember if it says it in the script in the Book of Mormon or or, or somewhere else, but you you were showing me in um, in your annotated version of the book of mormon yeah. that i think it was lorenzo snow from the general discourses where he mentions that ishmael was uh um was tribe of um manasseh was that what it was so lehi was the tribe of manasseh oh. and ishmael is ephraim ephraim that's correct yeah so we have we have both branches of joseph mm-hmm. now going to the americas correct that's what it was so it's really a fullness of of joseph's seed and the the um the fulfillment of those blessings Mm -hmm. those prophesied blessings happening here but i i feel like we get a little bit off our our outline here so let's get let's get back on
1: it's part for the course
0: (laughs) we do our best to stay on track here okay so ishmael and his family are now with nephi and lemuel and Sam, and they're in the wilderness on the way back to the tent of Lehi. And then what happens? Rebellion. Rebellion. Surprise, surprise.
1: Laman and Lemuel just can't seem to... Well, you know, I'm a little empathetic because it is like a lot of us where... As as much as there are moments where they they do seem to want to be righteous... It just seems like whatever's within them sometimes, they just can't seem to stay close to the spirit. Whatever the case is, they just can't seem to, and the worldly temptations just continue to pull them back in. And that's exactly what we see here is they start to rebel, and why? What was ultimately at the root of what was going on here with their rebellion? Man, they wanted to go back to Jerusalem, right? And I'm sure this was a culmination of lots of things. Ishmael's daughters and sons saying, man, we had property land. We had privilege in, in Jerusalem.
0: Well, it, you know? it's, and, it's and obvious Laman that some of same Ishmael's same. children were not necessarily on board either. A hundred percent. Yes.
1: They were akin to Laman and Lemuel and they, they clearly found strength, unfortunately, un- unrighteously in being together here. Yeah.
0: And each other. Yeah.
1: And there there was kind of an exponential um, degradation in their faithfulness and their willingness to continue forward in righteousness because they fed off of one another. And that clearly seems to be the case here where they they used each other to kind of bring each other down into this open rebellion to the point in which they they not only wanted to um to to tie down Nephi and to prevent him from you know whatever further action they were actually willing to completely let him let him die, you know, like to to leave him out there in the wilderness and and know that what what is he the, the beasts of the field basically to our yeah that, power
0: this him. is some like intense
1: yeah like again another warning to to those of us today is you know be careful who your friends are be careful who you're associating with and where you're putting that influence because other people are influence you and you you know whether you like it or not and and you got to be thoughtful about where you're spending that time and and who you're in cahoots with most of the time you know
0: so I mean what and and what was it that caused Laman and Lemuel to be so upset. Well, Nephi gave them a, a stern talking to. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> he pulled them together and he said, "Behold, ye are my elder brethren, and how is it that ye are so hard in your hearts, so blind in your minds, that ye have need that I, your younger brother, should speak unto you? He yep. I set an example for you. Yep. Um, in in a culture where respecting your elders is was very was a very big deal. Yeah. Like Nephi was speaking out like he was calling them out on 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 their their sinful attitudes and and they were they were not happy about that
1: and this is what we were alluding to earlier where you start to see the separation right the, the first time they go back to Jerusalem and they seek to get the plates from Laban when when Laban goes in and can't get them they start to get discouraged. What does Nephi do? Well, he he kind of brings the the crew together and says, "Hey, let's all be faithful." Like yeah. he's he's clearly viewing himself on par with Laman and Lemuel. He he's, he doesn't elevate himself at well, all. Well, you it,
0: know, you know, it, you get the vibe that starting out, right? Nephi and Sam were clearly they felt that they were the younger brothers. Yes, and they acted in that role. Correct. And so there yep. was the softening of heart, and and Nephi had these experiences with with Laman and everything. And he's, he's he's transitioned more into kind of a peer, yeah, with with Laman and Lemuel, right? And that's what we see where when, when he's always persuading them, no, let's go back and try again to get mm-hmm. the plates. Yep, right. He's he's on a level now where he's 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 talking things. He to
1: understands him. he has an equal voice that needs to be listened to, but here's the first time where we really start to see him taking leadership. Yes, authority. He speaks from authority. In fact, he says in verse nine, "How is it that ye have not hearkened unto the word of the Lord?" that you have forgotten that you have seen an angel of the lord so he's clearly saying i have not forgotten these things i know my standing with the lord
0: well that's a callback too to the uh previous episode where it, said it talks about remembering the works of the lord exactly right power there's a lot of mosaic mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of mosaic um uh principles there how you always see in the in the old testament and with the law of Moses, there always there's always a remembrance of what the lord has done so He's he's using that uh, those same techniques mm-hmm. from the scriptures to try to and in- bring the spirit to their minds. Yeah, and I mean he's really acting. He's acting in the role of the older brother. Yeah, he's acting as as the leader, as the as the firstborn. He's already acting as though he has that birthright.
1: Well, and a, and a good a good piece of clarity here too is he is speaking from authority. He understands that he understands the the Lord better, but he he doesn't do it. For a, in a in a condescending manner, he actually uses um, their religious teachings. He uses the Mosaic law, and and I mean, he he references, you know, um, the Lord is able to do all things according to His will for the children of men. Exercise faith in Him. Be faithful to Him. If it so be that we are faithful, we shall obtain the land of promise. You know, so he continues to use this imagery that Laman and Lemuel would understand from their Jewish you know theological so roots mosaic parallel yes exactly right so it wasn't exercising of unrighteous dominion on his brothers i mean he knew that he was in the right and the way in which he was trying to teach them he used righteous teachings and rice righteous, righteous truth from things they would understand i mean he did try to teach them on their level but but he's at a point now where he's starting to elevate in his authority and understanding of the lord and what his position is
0: and of course they're not having any of it <laughs> so they, they tie him up and they go through the whole process. Yep. Nephi prays to the Lord and gets the faith to 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 break the bands and and free himself. And that doesn't even that doesn't impress him. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, and it's interesting too because he even says, and this I think this might have ticked him off most of all, that you know he basically says, where is it? Where he says, look, fine, if you want to go back up to Jerusalem and be destroyed. That's on you. You have the agency and the freedom to do that. You know, he basically said, "If you want to be, you know, so ignorant and so dumb to go up and get yourself killed, fine, so be it." You know, and it just seemed like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. After that, they were like, "All right, this dude's got to go. We can't deal with him much longer."
0: So they were going to tie him up again, and then, uh, fortunately, the, the the daughters of Ishmael saw all this going on and pleaded on behalf of Nephi, and were, they were able to soften the hearts of mm-hmm. Laban and Lemuel. And the most interesting thing happens at, at that point, because they, they received that their hearts were softened. Let me pull this up here. So the, here. the daughters of Ishmael, her mother, one of the sons of Ishmael did plead with my brethren in so much they did soften their hearts. They did cease striving to take away my life. Um, And it came to pass that they were sorrowful because of their wickedness. So they had their, they, they woke up, they realized how crazy they were being. Yeah. And they immediately felt remorse. So the spirit started working in them again. And they felt so much remorse that they did bow down before me and did plead with me that I would forgive them of the thing that they had done against me. So that's just, that's, that's the completion of this transformation of, of Nephi kind of becoming that, that ruling figure, that Davidic yeah. figure um, in the Book of Mormon. And we see the older brothers bowing down before him, recognizing that Nephi is in a greater position than they are, yeah. and that they're in need of his, his forgiveness because they have not been righteous, they have been sinful. And that's kind of this is where we see the switch, where Nephi now is kind of that that the ruler mm-hmm. of the Nephites, and he kind of gets the birthright uh, going forward. Yeah, and a big, big deal here, big transition point. Well, and and th- this is this
1: is crucial to understand because when he first speaks to them from a, a position of authority and with real power. Their initial reaction is not good, right? They 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 tie him up and they're willing to kill him, and then well, they when, see it as a threat. Well, they certainly they see it as a threat, and their pride, clearly, their defenses were up. And when they um, when he when they they witness what the Lord is able to do for Nephi, and He's able to burst these bands, again, that pride kicks in, that defense mechanism kicks in, and they're willing to continue forward with the plan. But their heart is eventually softened by the intervention of others, and here's but here's the key because this happens to us in our lives as well because we can at times be like Laman and Lemuel. They humbled themselves, and and clearly they did so much so they even bowed themselves down before Nephi, and I, and I don't think that's them worshiping Nephi in any false way. I, I think this is just a, a um, symbolic of how repentant they really felt for what they had done. If Laman and Lemuel at this point had continued to keep themselves humble moving forward, yes, Nephi was now going to be the the spiritual leader and the patriarch of the family once Lehi is gone. He, He is going to assume that mantle. That's not going to change likely from this point forward. However, the outcome for Laman and Lemuel could have been significantly improved. However, we'll see as time goes by here that they cannot seem to keep that humility about them and how drastically that sets their trajectory as, a, as opposed to what Nephi is able to keep going and Sam and their posterity going forward. So that's just key because at times we can be prideful like that in our lives and we'll humble ourselves. The trick is, are we able to keep that humility and stay on that righteous trajectory?
0: And one of the things we're going to see in, in next week's episode is... Just the attitude that Laman and Lemuel have that that prevents them from from maintaining that humility and and staying in the spirit. And that is when when Nephi asked them if if they understood Lehi's dream, they say they just say no. The Lord doesn't make things like that known unto us. Yeah. So they it's that attitude mm-hmm. that they have where right they're they're humbled, but they don't have an attitude of. They don't have a relationship with the Lord. Right. Yep. And they're not they're not doing And they're any, not seeking it either. They're not seeking. It. They're not doing any work on their own to develop that relationship with God. They don't feel like they can go to to, to God and receive anything. And because because they don't have that relationship, yep. right, they're not receiving of, 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 of the Holy Ghost as, as they could and as they should. And there's consequences to that. So Nephi does forgive them, right? That's the, that's the theme here, uh, in the manual where that I, you know, I can forgive others is the theme and Nephi forgives his brothers. Um, but he forgives them in a way that is a great example to us. He says, "He I did frankly forgive them for all they had done. They were trying to kill him. Yeah. So this isn't, I have not been in that position <laughs> before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not so relatable, perhaps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this might be what, although there might be people listening to our podcast saying, hey, yeah, my brother yeah. tried to kill me once or twice before. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I, yeah. There's, Maybe there's more we can relate to here than we first thought.
0: That, yeah. Not, <laughs> it might happen more than it should. Yeah. So, uh, so he frankly forgave them. Family's family, right? But I did exhort them that they would pray unto the Lord for forgiveness. And it came to pass that they did so. Yeah.
1: To their so, credit. They so did. Nephi,
0: so. so Nephi he forgave them. And I th- when he says frankly forgave, I think he's he's just he's trying to emphasize that he really did, like, didn't hold it against them. Yeah. He under he understood how difficult of a thing this was that was being asked of them. And he understood that they weren't in a position to truly understand everything that was going on. He understood the level they were at. And while it's hard to understand, like being understanding about trying to take his life. But I mean, he is clearly saying that he was truly forgiving him. But he turned it into a teaching opportunity that forgiveness doesn't come from men.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Forgiveness comes from God. That's right. That's the source of, of forgiveness. And uh, when they make it back to camp, uh, it says here that they did give thanks unto the Lord their God and they did all they did offer sacrifice and burnt offerings unto him. Um, which is is important as well because the one of the purposes one of the reasons you would make sacrifice and burnt offerings at the altar is for repentance. Part like one of the ordinances you perform at the altar is is is, is repentance, the animal sacrifice is 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 you recognizing that forgiveness comes through atonement through sacrifice of of the messiah yeah right that's the symbolism there so we do see that there there was some true repentance going on and lemuel and lemuel they did truly they were remorseful they did pray into the lord for forgiveness and they went through and they performed they honored the ordinances they were supposed to do and did humble themselves and that's the power of, of forgiveness. Yeah, that's the power. That's the power we bring unto others. We offer to others when we truly forgive, and we're all capable of that. And it's not always easy. It's something we got to work on. But it's important to know that there is power in that. Right. In in our uh, in the episode we just released on on our Gospel Mysteries podcast, we talked about the atonement and how there's power in mercy when we offer when we offer mercy to other people, there's power in that 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 has the power to change their hearts and yeah. that's that just translates right over to forgiveness, forgiveness, and mercy so there's an incredible lesson there.
1: I am curious how that conversation went with Lehi when they got back. He said, "Hey, how things go." nevi said, "Well, could have been better, could have been." <laughs> I bet you that story's in the hundred and sixteen pages that we never got. <laughs>
0: it might have had a little extra flavor on there from Lehi's perspective. <laughs> He's just irate with layman and then we'll never know.
1: Unfortunately, but that would have been a good story to tell.
0: Okay. Okay. That that's probably why Nephi was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste these pages what my father wrote about.
1: <laughs> I don't have time to re- recount everything he said.
0: <laughs> Okay. So following uh, along with the manual, we move to chapter eight, holding fast to the word of God Mm. leads me to the savior. So we're getting into Lehi's vision. And there's a, there's a lot of
1: symbolism here that people have, you know, talked about and discussed many, many, many times over. So we're not going to go over each, each, each component here and each facet of that, but there's definitely some things that we felt we need to, we need to kind of dive into a little bit with in regards to Lehi's vision.
0: So, cool, cool little quote here from uh, Elder Packer talking about Lehi's vision. Uh, you are in it. All of us are in it. Lehi's dream or vision, the iron rod, has in it everything a Latter Saint, Latter-day Saint needs to do to understand the test of a life. So, very, very important imagery and symbolism uh, that we can absolutely 100% apply in our daily life right now. Yeah. We can read it reread it always get something out of it that's relevant to what we're going through and and decisions we need to make or how we need to respond and or, or understand the challenges that we're going through this is just pure prophecy and revelation that's available to us through this vision every time and the the part that we wanted to focus on is really the rod the iron rod and the what that represents and what that means to us. And um, we know that the iron rod is the word of God
1: to safely guide us through. Those are the words, right? I
0: think think you're right. Okay. Then everyone's now clicking off of our video. (laughs) Stop. Okay. Um, The word of God does not just mean the scriptures that's the primary explanation mm-hmm. the word of god is the scriptures read your scriptures yeah okay that's part of it absolutely but more so than that it's the spirit of prophecy it's the spirit of revelation and that's i i think that that's the that's a true power we can get out of this is that the iron rod the word of god is revelation that could be revelation in the scriptures that could be revelation from modern prophets and apostles, that can be personal revelation that we receive directly from the Lord through through prayer and and through the power of, of priesthood the priesthood ordinances that we have. And um in the vision we're holding to the rod, the people are holding to the rod, but they're in a they're in a mist. There's a fog. Right. So just because you're holding to the rod doesn't mean that you have a clear vision mm. of everything that's ahead of you, right? Just because you're receiving personal revelation, you have the Word of God, does not mean you know you can see all things. There are moments where those people could have a glimpse of the tree that's ahead of them, and they knew big picture where they were heading. There's a lot of times where they were holding the rod in the midst of darkness, and right. That's 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 life. Mm-hmm. That is life. And that shows us how like personal revelation, the word of God, it doesn't give us the clear vision of all things. it gives us direction mm-hmm. With holding to the rod, we're able to keep moving forward, pressing forward yeah and that's the power of revelation is that we can we can have direction no matter where we are in life, what we're going through, the Lord can give us a clear direction to go.
1: Yeah, and I really like in verse 19, where Lehi talks about saying he beholds the the rod of iron and it extends along the, the bank of the river leading to the tree. But then in verse 20, and, and, and this is, I think, pretty, pretty critical, he says, I beheld a straight and narrow path which came along by the rod of iron. Why does that matter? Well, because the truth is that straight and narrow path is likely not big enough for me to hold somebody's hand who is holding on to the rod right? The thing about this vision is it appears to me, or at least the way I like to envision it is everybody has to hold to the rod individually, right? You cannot be led and, and borrow light off of somebody else that is holding onto the rod and moving down that path. That path is too narrow and, and, and too dangerous for you to stand off to the side, holding to somebody's hand as they do what is right to be led by revelation and by the spirit and and by the scriptures. So we have to individually each take it upon ourselves in order to walk that narrow path that we are able to hold to that rod and that we can receive the revelation. We need personally to stay true and faithful and to persevere through those mists of darkness that are pervasive. They're always coming and going and that's never going to change, you know? And so we've got to develop that ability because we we can't make it on borrowed light, right? So I, I, I really like to envision that path being straight, so easy to understand, but very narrow and surrounded by a lot of danger. And we have got to stay very close to that rod of iron if we are going to survive and make it to the tree that we desire to be at.
0: And anytime we're talking, the scriptures mentioned that like a straight and narrow path, what it's referring to is the covenant path.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: And we make covenants individually. Baptism, right? It's an individual covenant that we make. Our, our temple covenants, they're individual covenants that get us to the celestial kingdom. And, and 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 that's what we clearly see in all of the ordinances, is that they're all designed to enable us with greater revelation, with greater access to God. Right to to thin the veil and have a more intimate relationship with God to the degree that we can hear and recognize His voice, and that's what the iron rod, right? That's that's the that's the narrow path. That's the iron rod. It's the covenant path, and our capacity to receive personal revelation, have a spirit of prophecy that leads us in the right direction, that allows us to gain light and knowledge as part of our of our mortal probation as part of this experience right that's why we're here we're here to progress that's the work and glory of God and and that's just that that's everything yeah like that is the plan well I I do wonder what (laughs) like like you what happened if like you you fell to the mist you made it to the rod and you were holding to the rod but then you you were going the wrong way (laughs) walk holding the rod walking (laughs) Walk in the opposite direction. <laughs> Turns out it's a rod that goes
1: in a circle. It comes back to the tree. It's a, it's a circle.
0: <laughs> Don't worry. You'll, you'll get back to the tree. You know, no matter which way you go, it leads to the tree. Okay. Uh, that's new revelation. Or maybe you bump into someone they say, no, I saw the, the tree's the other way. Wait. That happens. I saw it momentarily happened.
1: through the mist. It was definitely <laughs> this direction. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I- we digress. Anyway. <laughs> It it is interesting to me though, and this is kind of a little bit of a uh, you know selfless plug because we work in the temple, but we we always remind people that at baptism we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That does not mean you receive a fullness of the Holy Ghost. The apostles have have throughout throughout the restoration they have clearly stated that to receive a fullness of the Holy Ghost, you must continue to make and keep sacred covenants with the Lord.
0: Well, that's right. in the Kirtland dedicatory prayer. Exactly I think right. it's section 109, maybe. Um, but that that's in the prayer that those who come to the house of the Lord mm. shall receive a fullness, a fullness of the Holy yep. Ghost.
1: And that's what we're seeking, right? So if you really want, if you really want that fullness of the Holy Ghost, if you feel like, you know, I, I just don't receive the guidance and I just don't feel that closeness to the Spirit that I, I feel like I need or that I should be. Well, there's probably things to, to clean up and, and, and situate organizing your life. But if you, if you have not gone to the temple and, and participated in that sacred experience, prepare to do so. If you have, and you haven't gone back recently, start going consistently. I think both you and I can testify almost greater. than anything else we've done is, we start making temple attendance a regular consistent thing in our life and we go to the temple seeking not only to serve and to help those who cannot help themselves but to truly learn to be edified by the spirit when you go with that heart to the temple man it completely changes who you are and it opens revelation in in a way that it, you can't do on your own you you can't there's no shortcuts right you've got to go that consistently with an open heart and a desire to learn, and the revelation is going to open up to you. Yeah,
0: there's there's a few experiences in my life that were very impactful and had quick, profound changes, and and one of those experiences was when my wife and I started uh, a couple of years ago now, but when we just we did de- we decided that we were going to go to the temple once a week. And you know, fortunately, we're blessed to live, live somewhere where the temple's is available. And we can do that. Um, but after many months of faithfully going weekly, that brought about some amazing and significant changes in my life. Yeah. And not just going, but what going weekly and having that increased presence of the Spirit and, and those ordinances in my mind the impact that that had just in my life outside the temple and and what I what I started getting out of my personal studies of the gospel and where that led me um it's just you, I can't can't speak enough about the importance of going and attending the temple regularly and consistently maybe it doesn't have to be weekly maybe make it monthly yeah right whatever as when as often as you can realistically thought- do it absolutely but there is there is power in doing it consistently and that's i i share very strong testimony of that in my life yeah
1: well and the the church says our homes should be a temple it's real difficult to make our homes a temple if we ourselves are not attending the temple on a regular frequent basis right and that and that's that's really where it's going to start is we make we make that really valuable to us and then that's going to start to bleed over into our homes, which is the only other place equivalent to or on par with the temple is our Well,
0: I'm of, I'm of the opinion that the ordinances of the temple, the power thereof, the, you know, the, the, the endowment and the and sealing ordinances, those ordinances are all designed to teach us how to make our home a temple. Exactly right. Yep. And the more we go and the more we understand the ordinances through the spirit of revelation the more we're going to understand how to apply those ordinances and those covenants that we make in our homes. Yeah, in our daily lives. And then when your home's a temple, Yeah. Right? Changes everything. You have that fullness of the Spirit with you Mm -hmm. all the more.
1: Yeah, so we wanted to uh, also talk about the individuals and kind of the different individuals that Lehi talks about in his vision. And the first group, the one that maybe is the most obvious, those are the ones who find the rod, they hold to the rod, they remain faithful, they make it to the tree, they partake of the fruit. Man, they they dig it. They're all in. They love it, and they're all about it, and they really could care less what anybody else has to say. They understand the truth and the witness they've received. They value that love of God and that, that love of Christ that they've received, and they're never going anywhere, right? Second group is... <clears throat> those that are, they never find the rod. They're wandering off in, in the mist, so to speak, and they're heading towards the great and spacious building. There's things to talk about with that, but these people seem to kind of have started amiss from the very get-go. They started off in the wrong direction from the very beginning. I'll come back to that. That, them. The third final group that I kind of want to spend a little time focusing on are those that find the rod they hold to the rod they even make it to the tree and then they partake of the fruit and what happens to them maybe the most disheartening part of this vision really what hurts my heart i think more than anything you know, else this is what caused lehi to fear exceedingly e- yes exactly right is those that partake of the fruit and then because of the the world the great those that are in the great and spacious building mocking pointing at them they they become ashamed and they essentially fall away. Now, why do I focus on that group? Well, as you mentioned when we were kind of talking about about this angle, one, we have to be watchful and ensure this does not happen to us, that we don't start off as one who partakes of the fruit and really enjoys it and loves it, but then slowly yeah. the
0: things of the world we start to- We have to be to, humble enough to recognize that this could represent any one of us. Yes. Exactly. we all right. have the capacity to fall mm. because we all have agency. That's right. So it's it's the use of agency one way or the other. Yep. And it's it's important to to have the humility to recognize yes, even you it yep. could happen. It could happen. Yep. We need to be vigilant. Yep. We need to be watchful and 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 always taking care uh, of of our spiritual yep. health,
1: to be strengthening our foundation and that leads to The second part of that is where where I was focusing initially was use discernment and anywhere you have stewardship, whether it's your children, whether it's other loved ones in your family, whether it's those you're assigned to minister to listen to the spirit. And if there are those who are of the flock, if there are sheep in the flock that you have a feeling or insight or an awareness that they may be struggling And that the cares of this world are bringing them down and pulling them away as quickly and as early as possible. We need to try to come to the rescue and to assist those souls to ensure they stay close to that tree. And that they can feel of that light and continue to partake of that fruit, right? Because the farther away they get from that tree, the more and more difficult it is to bring them back. So we've really got to be watchmen on the tower protecting the flock of those who are already believers, those who have already partaken of the fruit and, and keep them close because it's so easy for the cares of the world to, to slip in and to, and to allow us to turn away and to wander off into, um, diverse paths. Anything on that before I go to the, the back to the people that are moving towards the great and spacious building?
0: I just, I mean, some of the ones that are the most vulnerable are new members mm, for sure because that's they're in a position where they've accepted the gospel they're baptized but their foundation is still is still new and right i mean you see it a lot where they they're excited they're baptized and then somebody in their life comes talking bad about the church or something and and they become ashamed yeah they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't know enough, and they don't have an, They don't have strong enough of spiritual confirmations to really stand that test. So we really need to take care of our new members. Um, you know, we really need to work as in our wards to make sure they're they're still being visited regularly by members, like they were when they were receiving the missionaries, like right? the new member lessons with the ward missionaries. Uh, we need to, as as members of the ward, or you know, you don't have right look out for the new members. It's. The best you can, visit them in their home, talk to them, try to create <coughs> friendships with them. The best you can, that's important. And and then among among our members, right, trying to understand who those members are that even though they've been members their whole life or for a long time, maybe they're members for some reason other. And a strong spiritual confirmation of the spirit of the truthfulness of the restoration, and you know that, you know, youth. For example, we might have a lot of youth that they're born into the church, they know the church is true because they've grown up hearing that the church is true, and there's there's no reason not to believe it. But that doesn't mean they have a a strong spiritual witness of the restoration. So we need to look out for them and really. As parents and as as youth leaders or or, or, or whomever, if you have contact and any influence with with youth, really making a point is right more so than right the, the checklist of do's and don'ts and 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 all that and un- really you know understanding the gospel intellectually. We really need to focus on praying for spiritual witnesses and confirmation that the Book of Mormon is true, that Joseph Smith was a prophet. Right? It's we don't want people believing it or saying that they believe we want people knowing that those things are true because they've had personal profound spiritual witnesses of them that's the foundation that's the protection we need against against those who are who are mocking yeah. and, and trying to cause us to feel shame and there's nothing there's no better protection than a spiritual witness to be able to say I know for a fact that it's true even if I don't understand a lot of things. God has made it known to me, mm. and that is enough to work to go on yep. and, and and to build on.
1: And sometimes it's just external forces. For instance, COVID. There's there's still many many members who, for whatever reason, got into the habit of not going to church on Sunday, and developed some other habits, perhaps on Sunday afternoon and.
0: Man, sacrament meeting at home was the best.
1: <laughs> and now these people have gotten used to going out to the lake on Sunday, or you know, going out and doing some other things. And they like this routine. They like having that extra day off to enjoy before they got to go back to work on Monday. You know, and these people, a lot of times, they haven't outright abandoned the church or or yeah, found issues. They just have gotten into a different pattern in life. And sometimes it just takes a well, little bit of nudging. I mean, we to get hear back.
0: we hear people say. Uh, oh, I still have a testimony. I'm yeah. just not going to church yeah. on Sunday. All the time. And, you know, it's just,
1: there's... It's kind of low-hanging fruit. You know, if you're a yeah. ward mission leader, that's a good place to start looking. Do we have people that used to come and then COVID kind of killed the momentum here? Can
0: we get them back going again? Seems like they're just in need of testimony. Yeah, for sure. And, and a little push into them, to, to help them receive greater witness yep. and some greater testimony on their own. Yep. Now the last the last people I want to come back
1: to is those that are heading towards pressing towards the great and spacious building. Now, this is definitely a voice of warning here for those who are abandoning the rod altogether, or they never made it to the rod and they're moving towards that great and spacious building.
0: They just they just limboed under it. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> just acted as if it wasn't there and
1: kept on moving. <laughs> Here's here is the voice of warning, the clarion call here. You can head towards that great and spacious building. And if you make it, there is comfort, there is solace to be found by others that you can kind of commiserate with and and be your compadres and 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 um, help build each other up as superficial as that might be. There is something in that great and great and spacious building that can temporarily provide you some comfort.
0: It can be a place place of comfort. Well, there's a social life there. Yep. Right. It's a party. Yep. Uh, they're they're all validating each other yes. and how how wonderful they are. And we how see this in the world today. That's that's the spirit of Jerusalem that Laman and Lemuel were attracted yep. to. right Right. Same. It's that same spirit. So that's if
1: you make it. If you make it. What a lot of people don't. What they don't figure out or, or what they don't think about when they decide to let go of the iron rod and start walking towards that great and spacious building where they see other people who seem content is that sometimes you don't even make it into that great and spacious building. And what's the term the scriptures use that you, you love or, or that you hate so much because it, it sounds so dark?
0: Yeah, there's the, the verse that it says they, they go down forbidden paths yeah. and are lost. Fall into forbidden paths. Oh, that just, it makes me.
1: And that we see that in the world and we don't talk about that enough is yes, there are people who leave the church or who leave the gospel or who leave Christianity and they do find a little bit of comfort or others that they build a community with and they appear to be content in that.
0: They have a decent life.
1: Yes. What we don't talk about though is that Just as Lehi's vision points out here, there are those and many that leave faith or that leave that iron rod behind and they wander off and they fall down paths that no one ever hears from them again. So let that be a voice of warning to people who just think I can walk away from this. Now, clearly, I'm not trying to keep you holding on out of fear. That's not what the Lord's trying to do. We need to develop a testimony here and a witness just, to keep you going. Just awareness of the reality—the reality that you think sometimes I can go be in that great and spacious building with everyone else and be content and happy. And sometimes you fall into a path that there there ain't no coming back
0: from. I mean, you just you wander off and no one ever hears you. You're and lost. You're, you're lost in the darkness. Yeah. You're drowned in the and 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 filthy river. Yep. There's there's forbidden paths that that look like they're leading to that great and spacious building and they just you just don't make it and the world will tell you come on
1: the water's great come on in there's nothing to worry about here they won't warn you in advance that hey you may not make it and lehi's vision makes it very clear that yes you can head towards that great and spacious building but there's no guarantee you're even going to make it to that so be mindful and if you do happen to make it into that great and spacious building, What do we then find out about the great and spacious building shortly hereafter? They've got great clothes. (laughs) Great linen, but eventually (laughs) it will fall and that fall will be significant. It will be great. Great Great was the fall thereof. Thereof. Yes. and There's no foundation. There's no foundation at all. And that's made very
0: clear. So that is the yet to be seen aspect of this because you see everyone in that great and spacious building comforting each other in their sins. Yeah. But ultimately, they all come crashing down together.
1: Yeah. So. Well, we see here, new, was a uh, President Packer that The result quoted, is
0: not ultimately different than those lost in the mist, than
1: those drowned point, in the river. It's kind of a delayed response here, so to speak. But it, it kind of speaks to, was a President Packer you quoted early on saying, this vision... it it essentially is for everyone. It has something for everyone. Even if you choose not to hold to the rod and be true and faithful to God's truth and knowledge, it kind of represents those that wander off and go down these diverse paths. I mean, it really identifies there's a lot of ways to get lost and
0: Well, I mean, let's let's, let's be real. We've all been in the situation where we're, we stop and we're keenly aware that we've let go of the rod and it's, it's, Right, it it's dark. Yep, it's dark around us. So we, we need to get back to the,
1: it. The tempest is raging. You better grab back onto that rod and we keep moving forward.
0: Regardless of if, if we're our, if we're at the tree, if we're holding on the rod, or if we're if we're experimenting with those forbidden paths, like we we can find our place in that vision and clearly see how do we get out. How how do we get to where we need to be from where we are? Yep, yep. that's right. Okay, so the. Wrapping up this lesson here, we have uh, we have some uh, awesome information and insight into Old Testament prophets, ancient prophets, and the fact that they knew about Jesus Christ's mission and that they they testified of of him. So we have some some amazing messianic prophecy here in verse Nephi where he sees. And talks about the uh the ministry of the Messiah and and the ordinances of the gospel and this is uh I've I've had some friends who were like non-denominational that you know read some of the Book of Mormon and this was like a mind-blower to them because in the Old Testament you don't see this level of clarity about how Old Testament prophets truly understood and the gospel the gospel of christ um it's, it's it's the old testament is all just through the lens of the law of moses um the like the rabbinic law of moses that right the pharisees were were practicing like that lens and you know then, then where we do see like messianic prophecy in isaiah it was it, it just it was just written in a way that's really difficult to understand so you really have to already have that 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 spirit of, of christ to truly get out of it, what's being taught? Um, so uh, we see in the Book of Mormon that you no, know, like there were there were Messianic Jews and prophets that clearly understood everything about about Christ and His ministry, the Savior that would come, and we truly get the full insight of. I mean, there's little snippets in the New Testament that 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 hints at this. Um, but we don't see it in the writings of the Old Testament, and this, this, this is just uh, well, it makes the Old Testament and it makes the scriptures just that much more powerful when you understand that those prophets they had full context, they understood what was going on. Uh, I wanted to share. You have anything you wanted to? No, go ahead. I wanted to share just a couple of those New Testament scriptures real quick. Uh, the first one is in First Corinthians chapter ten. Oh, it just logged me out, so I lost all my highlights. <laughs> But, uh, so this is Paul talking, uh, I, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. All were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So Paul clearly teaching here, don't be ignorant of the fact that um, the house of Israel, anciently, clearly had the gospel and understood it. Right? They were baptized unto Moses and the cloud and the sea, right? We have the spirit and water. So clearly Paul is teaching that the ordinances that John the Baptist and Christ renewed, restored to the earth, that's not the first time they were taught. Moses had the priesthood. He had Melchizedek priesthood. Moses had the ordinances of the gospel. And the house of Israel under Moses, they received those ordinances. They received the gospel, those those that would. Those that would, of course, we know the majority rejected rejected higher teachings even at that time. But Moses, he understood it all. He had he had clear vision, and he was he was teaching and preaching and and giving the ordinances to whomever would receive them. And we see something similar in John chapter eight, verse fifty six. Jesus is talking here, and he said. Uh, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. So that's just another, another highlight showing Abraham had full vision of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. He understood it, and he applied it in his life, and that's why he received the fullness of the blessings available through the priesthood, because he had the fullness of the priesthood. He had the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in the Book of Mormon, it just becomes very clear that, that since Adam, the prophets had the gospel, right? This is not new today. This is not new, right, from when Jesus was on the earth. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ was always the plan, is always the plan, will always be the plan. And that's just incredible insight that we get from the Book of Mormon. That's one of the reasons it contains the fullness of the gospel. Because it puts the atonement of Christ, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, right in the forefront through all generations of time.
1: In fact, so much this was so real to them that I, I believe it's ne- Nephi later on even says that we already live as if Christ has come. Right? They they already lived as if he had come, his ministry had taken place, and the and the atonement was already in full effect. And then I think he says. We, we um, abide by the law of Moses to fulfill righteousness, basically, but he clearly had an, an understanding and a belief and a faith knowing that Christ was going to come. He would fulfill his mission. And, and so the reality of Christ was so um, close and near to him that they already lived as though he had come and performed that atonement and redemption um, already. You know, so that that shows how real it was to Nephi later on in in the scriptures.
0: So to wrap up this uh, this lesson here, First Nephi, chapter ten, and Nephi teaches about the Holy Ghost, and is very powerful. I Nephi was desirous that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him uh, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. So you had some comments you wanted to, well,
1: I was just going to say, what is, what is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek? What is that gift? The power of the Holy ghost, not the gift of the Holy ghost. In our faith, when you are baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you only receive the power of that gift when you diligently seek him. Crucial. I mean, that that is in line with so much of some of the fundamental principles we try to harp on people is you must diligently seek. You got to want these things. It's not. It's not just going to happen passively. You got to be an active agent involved in your salvation and a relationship with the Lord. You've got to seek it out. But if you do, you will receive the power of the Holy Ghost. It will be manifested in your life.
0: And then in verse 19, he that diligently seeketh shall find. The mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them. Mm-hmm. How? By the power of the Holy Ghost fulfillment right the birthright you receive as 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 being a covenant child of christ as well in these times as in old the course of the lord is one eternal round
1: which is the greatest imagery i think in all of the gospel that whole one eternal round is just i just love that idea (laughs) just brings everything full circle And the more we learn, the more we see that, right? It's just these truths just continue to grow and expand and, and just deepen our understanding and our love of the Lord. And we think we understand his plan and then we continue to seek further truth, further light. And then we learn more and we realize, oh man, this is so much deeper than we ever thought possible before. And our love deepens. That's the way it's supposed to be. It just goes around and around. You just deepen that love and deepen that relationship with the Lord.
0: The gospel is supposed to be fun and exciting. Yeah. And you really only unlock that with the power of the Holy Ghost. By diligently seeking and by having the mysteries of God unfolded unto you. And that can mean a lot of different things, but it, it means deep, profound understanding at a spiritual level. Yeah. That sometimes is hard or even impossible to put into words and to share with other people but it's 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 just raw pure intelligence and understanding right this eternal round and our our place in the plan of salvation and how our relationship with god and with our savior jesus christ and 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 what that means for us now and 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 through the eternities and when those things start becoming Uh, clearer to you when we start getting vision and those mysteries start becoming uh, unfolded unto us gospel just becomes so exciting yeah and and it's motivating and would be it really turns into power uh in the sense that it starts to change who we are right become the the, we become a new creature in the sense that we just start to focus and live and right hold hold to that raw that personal revelation and continue in the proper direction towards that, 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 that tree, that fruit, the love of God.
1: A voice of warning though. If you are like how I used to be, where I would, I would purposely center my Saturdays or my Sundays around which football games are on, what sporting event is taking place. And Hey, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, but I'm not doing ministering at 3.25 in the afternoon central time because the Dallas Cowboys are playing on TV. Like, that was my life. I thought I was doing okay, but I was prioritizing these things in my life. If that's really what means the most to you, don't go down the path we're recommending here because once you start to receive revelation, you start to receive truth that you did not understand before and the only way you can explain it is that the Holy Ghost has revealed it to you It changes who you are, and you start deprioritizing those things.
0: It happens. It It happens fast. Man, it
1: happens fast because you have your hobbies and things that you are super talented at that have become less and less important to you and kind of faded in the background just as a lot of things I enjoyed doing at one time because you start to understand that there is nothing greater than cultivating that spirit in your life. And, man, when it is when it is giving you truth, as you're pondering, as you're seeking, as you're really searching after, I want to understand certain aspects of the gospel, I want to make sense of them, and as you're getting these little bits of truth and you're connecting dots, boy, it just starts to melt everything else away, and and you just change, and priorities change, and you almost don't even do
0: it consciously, it well, just starts to happen. The natural consequence of truly understanding through revelation the keys of the priesthood that we receive through the ordinances of the gospel, applying those in our life, really starting to live by revelation, have mis- the mysteries of God unfolded to us. Mm. The natural consequence of that is that de- is a desire to live the law of consecration as fully as possible. Yeah. And the natural consequence of trying to live the law of consecration is you start living less for yourself. Yeah. And and more for the kingdom of God. And right, it's it's that that separation that we saw happening in nephi where he was you know he was physically still present with his brothers but spiritually he was moving far away from them, very very quickly yeah and there's some sadness in that yeah but it's the correct path yep it is and it brought unspeakable blessings to nephi Mm -hmm. and to the point where I mean his testimony you know at the end of second Nephi it's just he just he's pleading and lamenting for all who could hear his voice and read his words right to go down that same path that he went down because yeah. even though there's heartbreak and there's trials and there's difficulty the blessings are just unspeakable and unfathomable they're so great and once you once you taste of that you, you just want to share it and you want and you, and you want to you want to serve and you and you want to help others get as much of that as possible.
1: Well, this is why in the temple, the the, the last the last covenant we make in the endowment is the law of consecration. Why? Because we talked about earlier partaking of the fruit and being ashamed. Why? Because there's still a bit of care about what the world thinks. There's still a bit of that, hey, I want to fit in or or I don't want the world to look down on me or to mock or to scorn me. and Sometimes right? it's your own family. Yeah, sometimes it is your own family, but when you truly, as you, as you indicated, when you start consecrating your life to the Lord, as you really say, I could care less about all of this, I'm going to give it all to him, whatever is asked of me, that shame, those cares of the world, that great and spacious building, it doesn't mean anything at that point, and that's that's ultimately how you build a real sure foundation is you give up this world. You give up the cares of the great and spacious building and you consecrate everything to the Lord. And at that point, there's really not much that can pull you down any, any longer. You are free from, the, from from this world and the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations. Not that you won't go through them, but that they will not pull you away from that sweet and desirable fruit that the Lord is and that he offers.
0: If you've made it this far, thanks. <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. We've already shared a lot of testimony throughout this. So, yeah. um, uh, I'll, I'll just reiterate that these things are true and we have applied them and, and it's seen the hand of the Lord and the power of the Holy ghost in our lives. And, and we just, we want more of that for ourselves and more of that for others. And, um, I'm just so grateful for the gospel. And uh, I share that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.